So we come today back to the passage that we've been um, just camping on for the past few weeks. We read again today, verses 16 through 26. And, and today we want to focus in on um, the, the fruit of the Spirit. So remember that uh, Paul has restated the gospel to the Galatians who had lost sight of the, just the simplicity of the gospel. They, they had complicated everything through the influence of the false teachers and uh, they, they lost that, just that beautiful simplicity of having trusted in Christ and that brought their salvation and that brought the, the power of the spirit in their lives. And, and so anyway, as, as you know, if you've been going through Galatians with us, uh, we, we've gone through the epistle and up until this point, Paul is just, he's just uh, corrected all of that. And then when we come to chapter 5, verse 16, we, as I mentioned before, we've entered it into now the, the practical application. So basically, it's like Paul is saying, okay, now that we've got all of this straightened out again, uh, let me remind you of how we conduct ourselves. Let me remind you of how we live our lives as God's people. And in verse 16, uh, he told us that basically we're to live our lives by walking in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit he said, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that's the case because we have been born of the Spirit and we are filled with the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit uh, gives us power over those things of the flesh, over those, those sinful things that have previously dominated our lives and still uh, want to dominate our lives. So through the, the presence and the power of the Spirit, not only are we able to subdue the works of the flesh, but on the positive side, we are now able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And in verses 22 and 23 there, Paul describes for us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, um, either way, the word uh, can be translated kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and so this is the fruit of the Spirit. And he is, again, he's telling us if, if we walk in the Spirit, then we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but actually we will be producing the fruit of the Spirit. And so... Today, what we wanted to do is, is look at just the whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit, and then we'll come back next week, and we'll actually uh, break down and look at each one of these things, kind of look at the, the, probably the, uh, the Greek word behind it, and then we'll, we'll just look more closely at the, the description here that Paul gives of the fruit of the Spirit in verses uh, 22 and 23, but Today, I want to concentrate just on this whole idea of fruit and bearing fruit. And uh, notice it, that Paul brings here this, this fruit metaphor into the passage. Now, if you think about it, you realize that Paul is doing something intentional here by referring to the fruit of the Spirit. He had talked about the, 
the works of the flesh. He talked about the, the flesh lusting against the spirit, the spirit lusting against the flesh. Then he talked about the works of the flesh. But instead of going on and talking now about the works of the spirit or about the, say, the characteristics of the spirit or the traits of the spirit, he intentionally employs the word fruit. He wants us to think of, uh, when, when we think of the, the work of the spirit in our lives, he wants us to think in terms of fruit. And I think one of the reasons why he does this is because fruit presupposes life. And what Paul wants us to understand is that our behavior as God's people, it flows from the fact that we are indwelt by the Spirit. You see, the the Christian life is the life of God himself living inside of his people and manifesting his life through us as people. And so that picture is the picture of fruit. So we are uh, bearing the fruit of the life of God that is in us. And so I think, again, Paul is very intentional here because he wants us to understand that the, the life that we live as Christians and the behavior that we uh, have as Christians is uh, it's something that is organic rather than manufactured. And just think about that for a moment. You think of organic uh, versus manufactured, or you can think of it in these terms. It was um, a well-known British preacher from another uh, age who said that, um, that works reminds us of a factory but fruit reminds us of a garden. And I don't know about you, but when I think of, of something pleasant and something enjoyable, uh, I, I'm much more inclined to think of a garden than I am a factory. And so this is, this is the way that we need to understand this. This is the, the way we need to look at it. it it's an organic thing. It's, it's, God's life in us just welling up and overflowing from us. It's, it's a very organic thing versus a manufactured thing. And so also what we need to notice is that it is the fruit of the Spirit singular. You would think, because it goes on love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth, you, you would think that it might read the fruits of the Spirit are, but it says, no, the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, because of that, some have said, well, actually, there's only one fruit of the Spirit, that's love, and then the rest of the things that are mentioned here, they are the attributes of love. And you could probably uh, present it that way. You might be able to, but I don't think we need to present it that way because I think what the apostle's intention is, is to show us that this, this fruit of the Spirit is multifaceted. And so... It's all of these things combined together. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and like I was saying, it's not manufactured. It's not something that we are working up, which is pretty much the way religion works. Religion works like, okay, I see an ideal. I see 
uh, preferred behavior. And so now I'm going to determine that I'm going to behave that way. But that's not the biblical picture. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit here, it's not a matter of saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong when it comes to uh, a couple of these things, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit weak in some of the other things. Um, that, that's related more to um, something that's, that's probably more of our disposition by nature or something to do with our willpower where I look at the list and I say, okay, I, uh, I'm strong here, I'm weak here, I'm strong here, I'm weak here, so I've got to work on my weaknesses and, and continue to, to bolster up my strengths. That's not the way it works. The, the way it works as the fruit of the Spirit is as we're growing in the Lord and as we are just continuing to yield ourselves to Him, the, the fruit in all of its fullness is just growing up together in our lives as his people. And so, it's the fruit of the Spirit, singular, but all of these different things that he mentions here are aspects of the fruit. Now, there's three things that I want to zero in on regarding fruit. And I, I listened to a, a great message this week by um, Timothy Keller, and uh, he just happened to outline it this way, and I think it's excellent, so I'm going to borrow it from him, and I'm sure he probably borrowed it from somebody else, so that's what preachers do. We just borrow stuff from each other, and uh, we can go all the way back to uh, the earliest days of, of church history and find some great stuff, but um, in, in his teaching on, on the fruit of the Spirit, he there were three things, or I think he had four, but um, I'm going to look at three things regarding the fruit, and they are these three things. Number one, that the fruit is internal. Secondly, that the fruit comes uh, through a process or gradually. And then thirdly, that fruit is inevitable. And so we'll start with the internal. And, and it's kind of la uh, overlapping with what I was just saying. It is not adopting new behavioral patterns, like I need to be more loving or joyful or kind or self-controlled. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, it wells up from this root. You see, it's, it's, the, spirit of, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of my own determination or my own effort to be a better person. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit is connected back to the root, which is the Spirit of God present in my life. And it's really, it's in line with that picture that Jesus himself gave us that's recorded for us in John chapter 15, where Jesus spoke about the vine and the branches and the fruit. And maybe you remember there that passage, Jesus says that, he says, I am the vine. And to his followers, he says, you are the branches. And just as a, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. That's how it happens. It's, it's the, the fruit is all based on the, the connection back to the root. So it's internal. It comes from within us because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit 
rather than external, rather than me looking at a list of virtues and then determining through my uh, self-will that I'm going to be more like that. So it's internal, number one. Secondly, an important thing to notice and, and to, to think through, that fruit, it develops through a process. And it's really important to recognize this when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that the growth is gradual. It's not instantaneous. It's not overnight. Now, we know that from nature, right? If you decide that you want to plant, uh, you know, some sort of a, you know, maybe some strawberries or some tomatoes or something like that, or maybe even more, you want to plant a tree that's eventually going to bring you some fruit. Um, you know that there's a long process that's going to take place. First of all, you're going to have to plant the seed in the soil, and then the seed is going to germinate, and then the roots are going to go down, and then it's going to sprout up at some point. And then, you know, a long way down the road, you're going to have fruit. But the whole time, there is something that is happening, although it's largely unseen. And you know, that's, that's true in our spiritual lives as well. And it's important that we recognize this because we, we don't always understand that this is the case. And and as a result, we have false expectations, both for ourselves and for other people. And then we get frustrated and discouraged when we find that we're not maybe bearing the fruit as quickly as we thought we should, or they're not bearing the fruit, more, more likely them. We're more frustrated with other people than we are with ourselves, right? We're more patient with ourselves. But no, we can even, you know, get down on ourselves as well, right? We think we should be beyond that by now. We think we should have, have already developed to the point where there would be more consistency. But we have to remember that there is this process that takes place. And sometimes we don't, we don't see it at all as the process is going along as much as we see it in a, in a moment where suddenly we are confronted with a difficulty, we're confronted with a challenge, or we might be confronted with a difficult person, and all of a sudden we find ourselves responding in an unexpected way. We find ourselves responding in a godly way. And, and then we stop and we think, wow. That, that's amazing. And, and we can even think, you know, a year ago, I would not have responded this way. If this would have happened last year, oh, I would have, uh, you know, I would have just come unglued. I wouldn't have been able to handle this at all. But you, you handled it in the spirit. And then what happens at that moment, you realize there has been growth taking place. And we have to recognize that growth is gradual that we are all in a process. Now, I wish I would have learned this when I was a younger pastor. Because when I was young, I, my expectations were high for everybody. And I was easily frustrated and disappointed when they didn't live up to my expectations. And I think that that probably 
contributed to some difficulty for, for people. Now, this, this isn't an, an excuse to just say, well, you know, people are going to go on sinning and we just, that's just the way it is. But, but it's just the recognition that, you know, we are all a work in progress. Do we, do we realize that? We need to realize that. And, and pastors especially need to realize that. And I know that over the years, I have, I have learned that much more than I knew it in my, in my younger years, that, that God is at work and, and that there is the, this process that's taking place. The development of fruit is gradual. It's a process. It happens over time. And therefore, as we think about it, and especially as we think about it in the lives of other people, we need to be patient. You know, James mentions the, the farmer who is patient for the crop to grow. And one thing about farming and gardening and those things, there, there has to be patience because you just know that there's going to be uh, a period of time that is going to need to pass before this is going to come to fruition. Now, thirdly, fruit is inevitable. And that's the great news. Fruit is inevitable. The, the fruit is going to come. And even though the process might be more lengthy than we had originally thought, what we can have confidence in is that the fruit is going to come. In other words, if the, if the life of God has really been planted in a person, then fruit is going to come. And I have seen this over and over again throughout the years. I have seen where, you know, and, I, and I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've heard it with my ears. I, I've experienced it where, you know, somebody comes and they, they put their faith in Christ. And we know the Bible teaches when you put your faith in Christ, the spirit of God comes and takes up residence in you. And, and then we see that process begin. And sometimes... In the early stages, you, you're kind of looking and you're wondering, like, you know, is anything going to come up? Is any fruit going to come up? It, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you put that seed in the ground, when you put a seed in the ground, you don't see anything. You don't see the seed anymore even, right? And as far as anybody might know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing happening. The seed's been buried in the ground. But no, something is happening. And, and I've seen this over and over again where somebody comes and they put their faith in Christ and yet initially it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. But then as time goes on, the little sprouts begin to come up here and there. And then eventually you see the, the, the plant begin to really grow and, and blossom because that's the inevitable result of a true planting of the life of God in a human heart. There's going to be fruit that is going to come because the power is in the seed of the gospel. See, the gospel itself has that power. And once that seed is planted in our lives, that, that gospel truth, that gospel life is going to bust forth ultimately into fruit bearing. It was uh, the famous uh, British preacher G. Campbell Morgan, who told the story 
of uh, being in a cemetery and seeing a, uh, a grave with a gravestone that, that was a large slab and a thick slab of marble. And yet right in the middle of that large thick slab of marble, there was an oak tree that had burst up through it and, and was there right in, in the center of it at the time that he saw it. Now, of course, and he pointed this out, that that, that oak tree wasn't planted on top of the marble slab. It was an acorn that was under the marble slab. And if you were betting and you didn't know anything about botany, you would have bet that the marble slab was certainly going to uh, overpower the acorn. But the opposite was the case. The acorn broke through the slab and the tree eventually came up through that. And that's a good reminder of, of the power that is in the spirit of God who's working in our heart, that the Lord's going to break through. He's even going to break through the, the marble slab of our own sinfulness. And sometimes we would be tempted to feel like, you know, there, there's no way that, that there's ever going to be a breakthrough in this area, but the spirit of God is able to break through. But the point here as well in regard to the inevitability is that we have to then always be thinking in terms of the necessity of fruit as the evidence for the presence of the Spirit. So in other words, if I am claiming to have the Spirit's presence in my life, then there's going to be fruit that is going to ultimately show. So if I never see fruit, if there is never any breakthrough, then I have to go back and say, well, maybe the seed hasn't been planted. Because if God has planted his spirit in our hearts, fruit is going to come. It might not come as rapidly as we think it's going to come, but it is going to come. So, and, and as we've pointed out before, when the, when the scripture talks about salvation by grace through faith, and some people make the false conclusion, well, that means that you know, you think because you believe that, that um, all you do is you just believe in Jesus and there's never any uh, evidence in your life for that belief. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches where there is uh, the life of the spirit, there's going to ultimately be the fruit that's going to come forth. But the good news is it is inevitable and God is going to work in our lives to bring forth that fruit. Now, how does that happen? Now, Paul is, he's already told us to walk in the spirit. And in doing so, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But I want to go back to something we touched on earlier. I want to go back to John chapter 15, to the words of Jesus. And that's where I want us to kind of settle in and bring home our, our main point here today. Jesus, and, and let, me, let me say this. I think when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit here, I am sure that Paul, in, in his mind, he is thinking about the words that Jesus said. 
So Jesus says that he is the vine, we are the branches, and that as a result of abiding in him as the branches, we are going to bear fruit, we're going to bear much fruit, and he said, and through that fruit, his father would be glorified. But before Jesus said that, he said this. He said, I am the true vine, and he said, my father is the vine dresser. And when Jesus said, my father is the vine dresser, he's talking about his father being the one who, who cultivates the vine. Now, you see, this is what God does. In order for us to bear fruit, God, like a good farmer or a good gardener, he does those necessary things for the fruit to come. Not only does he plant the seed, but before the seed is planted, the, to the, the, the soil is tended to, but then after the seed is planted, there's the proper amount of fertilization, there's the proper amount of water. All of those kinds of things are preparing the way for the growth to take place. Jesus says, my father is the one who does that. And so God, in order to bring forth fruit from our lives, he's the one who is working on the, the details that surround our lives through which the fruit is going to come. And one of the things that Jesus said there as well about something the Father does, he said that, that, uh, that occasionally the branches have to be pruned or, or trimmed back in order that more fruit may come. And so the picture there is that in order for fruit to come forth from our lives, God, like I said, he, he's working through the, the circumstances, and sometimes he's even pruning us. He's even trimming things back. You know, maybe you've had this experience before in your life as a Christian. Maybe you've had a, what you would see as a setback in some way. You know, you felt like you were moving ahead and good things were happening and God was blessing. And then suddenly you just had a setback. And I'm not even talking about like a sin, but you just, everything just seemed to sort of fall apart right before your eyes. And you're perplexed and you're wondering, well, what, what's happening? And th this thing that I was doing, you could, you could sense that there was a blessing on it and you, you could see that fruit was coming from it. But then all of a sudden it's like, wow, what happened? You know, what happened is God, sometimes he prunes things back. And I know that I've gone through seasons of pruning in my life where God just, you know, he just takes like the pruning shears to you and he just trims everything back. And you know, that's not a, a pleasant process necessarily. Sometimes that can be very painful. Sometimes it can be frustrating. Sometimes it can be disappointing because you're thinking, wait, no, we were moving, you, you know, we were moving ahead and there, there was so much promise for the future and we could see all of this stuff and then suddenly it's just, what happened? Everything seems to just have been cut off. And we can't see at the time any positive benefit from this. To us, it just looks like this is completely a negative thing. But did you know that it's through those kinds of things that God is actually preparing us quite often to bear more fruit in the future? He does those kinds of things. Jesus said that his father does the pruning when the pruning is necessary. But 
coming back to the picture that Jesus gives us, here's what we need to do. So think in your mind with me. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Then he speaks about fruit and he speaks about the, the father being glorified through the fruit. So, so if Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, what is the fruit going to be? The fruit, listen, this is an important thing to recognize. The fruit that we're talking about here is really the life of Jesus developing in us and overflowing from us. That's what the fruit is in the end. Now, I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's true and it's right and we need to understand it. But I also say it because oftentimes we are mistaken in our uh, identifying of fruit. We identify fruit in a certain way. You know, sometimes, and, and this happens a lot in uh, pastor circles and in ministry, where, you know, you might look at uh, a pastor, for example, and you might say, well, man, you know, that, you know, that guy's really bearing fruit. And what you're, what you're drawing your conclusion on is the fact that they have a large congregation of people. And so you say, wow, that's a, a really fruitful ministry because there's a large congregation of people. Or you might say that, well, that, you know, this, this person's really fruitful because they have led X amount of people to Christ. Now, I'm not saying that those things can't be signs of fruit, but I am saying that if that's what we think fruit ultimately is, if we think fruit is ultimately like things that I do for God that end up being a blessing or a promotion to his kingdom or something like that, then I'm totally mistaken. Even though those might have something to do with it down the line, the fruit that we're talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the, the goodness, the self-control. What is all of that? That's really the, the character of Jesus being worked out in our lives. That's what God is aiming at. He, you know, as Jesus is looking for you to bear fruit, he's not thinking, okay, you got to get out there and man, you got to lead all kinds of people to the Lord. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't seek to lead people to the Lord, but let's be clear about what the fruit really is here. Because you know, you might never lead somebody to the Lord. Did you know that that is a possibility? And it's not your fault. It's not your problem. It's not because of some deficiency on your part. You know, people can't be led to the Lord unless they want to, right? You can't force somebody to be led to the Lord. There are examples in scripture of uh, the prophet Jeremiah is a good example of somebody who, if you looked at his ministry and just evaluated, you think, man, this guy really, he failed in his ministry. He preached to his nation and they didn't repent. He preached to his nation to turn back to God and they didn't turn to God. Instead, the Babylonians came and destroyed his nation. Some people might say, well, Jeremiah had an unfruitful ministry because he didn't have positive results. Jeremiah had a fruitful ministry because he did what God called him to do. He didn't have any control over the response of the people. So I think the, the reason I'm also emphasizing this is because sometimes we can put the emphasis on all the wrong things. 
And we make the mistake of thinking, well, this is fruit because, again, of these kinds of things that we see. But then you look at the character of the person who's supposedly bearing all of the fruit, and you find that, wow, there's not a whole lot of love in that person's life. There's not a, a whole lot of joy in their life, or there's not a, a whole lot of kindness in their life. You know, people can do things for God and not necessarily be right with God. Did you know that that's possible? That's a possibility. It's a reality. Because God blesses his truth. He blesses his word. And at times, the, the instrument through which the word is coming, they don't have any of the fruit of the spirit in their lives, but something's happening out here, and they mistakenly think, well, hey, I'm, everything must be okay. I must be okay, because look at all of this that's going on. No, that's not the measuring stick. The measuring stick is Jesus. So, what God is seeking, the fruit that Jesus is talking about is his life being manifested through us. And remember, the fruit of the Spirit, think about this, the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So if the, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about the life of Christ being revealed and lived out through us. And I think that this is an excellent picture of what that looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is what the life of Jesus looked like. And that's the life that God is wanting to produce in us. So how does it happen? Well, Jesus said this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall bring forth fruit. If you abide in me. So the secret is abiding. Now, we've been talking about this over the past few weeks. We've been talking about the, just this whole idea of walking in the spirit and what that looks like. You remember and how what we're really talking about is just a life that is saturated in Christ, a life that is, as I've said, I've used the word immersed. Immersed means, you know, you put something under the water. So we're just, our lives are immersed in Christ. We're saturated with Christ. The word abide, you know, the word abide means to live. And so what is Jesus saying? He says, if you abide in me, if you live in me, if you make me the center of your life, you will bear fruit. You will bear much fruit and your father will be glorified. And that's what we're talking about here. Remember, he is the vine and we are the branches. And so the fruit that will come from our lives, which would be the, you know, there as we're the branches, the fruit coming out is going to be the character of Christ, the life of Christ. And you know, in the end, even though that will be the, the primary thing that becomes a blessing to others, because think about this for a moment, a fruit tree doesn't bear fruit for itself, does it? The fruit tree bears fruit for somebody else to enjoy. And so likewise, we are bearing fruit, not for ourselves so much, we're bearing fruit for others to enjoy. We're bearing fruit that God will delight in. Uh, 
but as, as we're all bearing fruit, we all get the blessing and the benefit because I might not be benefited from the, from the fruit that I'm bearing, but you're, you're benefiting from it. But then I'm benefiting from the fruit that you're bearing. So that's how it, it all works, that we become uh, mutually a, a blessing to one another, and we partake of the fruit of the Spirit in one another's lives. And so the fruit connected back to the vine. Jesus, I am the vine. It's the life of Jesus. And as we abide in him, as we make our home in him, and Paul, when he's talking about walking in the spirit, that's what he's talking about. Walking in the spirit, living in the realm of the spirit. Remember how I said that uh, the, the word walk is the word that Paul uses for lifestyle. This is our lifestyle. This is, this is our conduct. This is the way we live. We live. How do we live? We live in the spirit. We live in the realm of the spirit. And so we make Jesus the center. And when Jesus is the center, fruit comes forth. And again, it comes forth from within. It develops gradually, but certainly we go through the process. We go through the seasons, you know, Cheryl and I, we have a, a couple of trees in our backyard. We have a, we have a, um, a white peach tree and a white nectarine tree. Hers is the peach tree. Mine is a nectarine tree. Uh, hers has blossoms. Mine has none. Um, Hers bears fruit every year. Mine has not borne fruit for a few years. I, don't, I hope this is not like a, you know, any kind of a uh, omen regarding us. But, um, but we just noticed yesterday that the, the peach tree is full of blossoms. And, of course, we just, you know, have come through the winter when, you know, trees... Uh, unless they're evergreen, trees, they, they kind of like hibernate during the winter is what they do. They, they just sort of go to sleep. And they go to sleep, in a sense, in preparation for the spring, for that new cycle of, of production to take place. And so now here we are, we've entered into spring, and there are the blossoms, and then we're going to see those little buds of fruit. But you know, if, if we or to, uh, if we were to go out and just pick all those blossoms off of our tree, that wouldn't be good. We have to wait for the, the process. And come June, mid to late June, we're going to have more peaches than we can eat. But it, it, it is that, that process. It's, it's a gradual thing, but it's a certain thing. And so as we abide in Christ, as we live in Christ, as we walk in the spirit, this is all synonymous. As we do this, this, the fruit will come. And the fruit is the life of Jesus laid out in these things that Paul mentions here, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, and so forth. And so um, we will come back and we will look specifically at these nine things next time and really just kind of, you know, talk about you know, what these look like in our lives. But today, as we close, I, I want to just again 
um, leave you with this picture of fruit. And remember, Paul's intentionally using this because this is the way it works. And maybe you remember uh, over the years, Pastor Chuck would often talk about fruit and, um, you know, making that contrast sometimes between the, the factory and the garden. But, you know, he would talk about fruit and talk about how you don't really see a piece of fruit striving to come into existence or striving to ripen. You know, all it's doing is just hanging in there on the branch. And as long as it's hanging in there on the branch, it's, it, the, the process is taking place. It's going to come to, it's going to ripen. It's going to come to its fullest uh, mature place. And of course, that's just, again, just another reminder to us that when we, when we look at these things, because as we look at these verses, 22 and 23, and as we look at the love and the joy and the peace and all that, I think a lot of times we look at it and we think, man, I am so far from that. How am I going to get there? And then sometimes we just say, I'm never going to get there. We kind of throw up our hands. Sometimes we say, okay, I got to work harder at getting there. You know, I got to be more loving. I got to be more patient. And so we, we try to put forth that effort to, to be more loving or to be more patient. And then we find that we're falling short and we're not really attaining it. How do I get there? Just hang in there. Just stay connected. Just live in Christ. Just walk, dwell in the Spirit, and let the Spirit have His way in you, and cultivate the things of the Spirit. Saturate yourself in the things of the Spirit. And those things that we go back to over and over again, just that, you know, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So his word is that one of those things that is so vital to this process, that God's word abides in us. And as we just make our uh, lives center around him, this becomes the natural byproduct. It becomes the inevitable outcome because his life is planted in us, his life will ultimately manifest itself through us. So that's what fruit bearing is all about. So Lord, we thank you that you've given us the promise that we will bear fruit. And Lord, just the simple uh, condition of abiding in you, just Lord, living in you. And may we do that, Lord. May we find ourselves just more and more taken up with and saturated in and immersed within your life, your power, your love. Lord, thank you that we are indwelt by the Spirit. And Lord, that it's not our external efforts that are going to bring about the transformation. It's you working from the inside. And so, Lord, may your spirit overflow from our lives as we continue to yield our lives to you. That's our prayer, Lord. Help us to abide 
in the vine as the branches, that fruit and more fruit may come, that the Father may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.